welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. We are continuing, well we're actually finishing today, our series looking at Encounters with Jesus, where we've gone through the Bible, we've gone, actually we've gone through the Gospels, we've gone through and we've looked at encounters that ordinary men and women like you and I had with the man Jesus Christ and we've gone we've gone through you know, mainly Luke seems to be the book of reference but today I'm going to be in John uh, so if you've got a bible it's going to come up on the screen we're going to be in the very last chapter of John John 21 and we're going to be looking at the last um, encounter we we read in the gospels that Jesus has with his his disciples so I'm going to get straight into it and read it to you so it says afterwards Jesus appeared again his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebed- the sons of Zebedee, the two disciples, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to John, this is the, it is the Lord, said Peter, it is the Lord. As, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not able, not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Bless Pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you to, to come and continue to be us. Lord God, I thank you for a great reminder in that, in that song, God, that, that you are for us, that you are with us, that no matter what we go through, Jesus, you, you love us and you, you will always be with us. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you will continue to speak to us this morning as we, as we unpack the, the, your word, as we look at this final message from, <clears throat> from this, this series. Amen. So, Lord, so we we find here the disciples. Okay, this is kind of this is John who's telling this story. He is he's the one who he names as the the, the the disciple that Jesus loves. And as if you read to the very end of this chapter, it says, "I, John, wrote this." And he amazingly kind of ends it with this statement of saying that, that these are basically just a selection of the stories that Jesus did things that Jesus did. Because if I told you everything that I saw Jesus do, uh, there wouldn't be enough paper there wouldn't be enough pens there wouldn't be enough books to fill the amount of stuff that Jesus did and and what we see here is is what what this last story is is we've got we've got the disciples okay they know Jesus as Scott told last week Jesus is risen from the dead remember these guys they they spent the last three years waking up and Jesus was there going to have breakfast and Jesus was there having lunch and Jesus was there you know it's good to start what are we going to do today 
Jesus tells them what they're going to do. They're going to have dinner. Jesus is with them. They go, go to sleep. Jesus is with them. Everywhere and everything that they did, Jesus was there with them. They, had, they haven't really done anything without Jesus for the last three years. And then remember, you know, Jesus is then arrested. He's then put on trial. He's then, he's then um, killed on, on a cross. And they're at a complete loss. This guy who they've done everything, this, this guy that they, they thought was, was going to save the world. And they, by save the world, they thought he was going to come and conquer and destroy all of God's enemies. He, you know, th this, this, this guy, he, 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 he's died. And now he's alive again. They've seen him. They've met him. They've met him twice before this in, in, in his resurrected, resurrected body. And though that's exciting, that's amazing for them, they don't know what to do. They don't know how that affects their life. You see, they, they, they've spent all this time with Jesus, and now that he's resurrected, they're not really sure what that means. And that can be, that can be exactly the same for us, can't it? We know Jesus is alive. We know he's not dead. But what does a life that Jesus has risen, where Jesus has risen, look like? You know, Jesus is alive, and so what? You know, we can we can so easily kind of live our lives where you know we go to go to a, a church meeting like this on a Sunday. Maybe we go to other things during the week, but really, our day-to-day -day life it's not really much different. You know, we don't because we don't always know what how to how to apply this fact that Jesus is alive. You see, the disciples they spend all this time with Jesus, and then they're like. Well, we don't know what to do. So Peter then comes up and speaks up and he goes, well, I'm going to go and fish. Before, I, before we knew Jesus, most of us were fishermen. So let's just go and do that. Let's go back and do what we know what we can do. So they go back, they go, you know, they get in the boat, they go fishing and they're fishing all night. They're fishing all night and they catch nothing. I don't know how hard they were trying to fish. Obviously, they weren't doing a great job, but but they, they, were, they were pretty useless at it. And I don't know whether that's because they're just useless fishermen or whether they were just kind of down just going through the motions but anyway as as daybreak comes there's this man on the shore and he cries out to them and, and it must have been quite annoying to hear you know initially you know like friends haven't you caught any fish oh, we've not caught any fish who's this wise guy on the shore asking us if we've caught any fish throw no we've not caught any fish we'll, we'll throw them out on the other side of the boat Earth is this lunatic tournament. We, we've been fishing all night. Water is water. This is the boat. Water, water. We threw them out there. There's no fish. There's no fish there either. It doesn't matter where we put this net. There's going to be no fish. No, no. Throw them out on the other side of the boat and you will catch some. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Throw them out. Right. We're, we're, we're going to pull them in now and we're going to get lots of fish. Okay. It's stuck. John, it's stuck. Thomas, I think it's stuck on a rock or something. You idiot, you, it's not stuck. You just caught a boot or something. Like, you can imagine them. You know, they're, they're like, you bust them over. You know, we haven't caught anything all night. And then all of a sudden you can't pull this in. So all of them come along and they're starting to pull this net up aggressively. You know, it weigh, weighs a ton. And eventually you see the reason why it weighs so much is because suddenly, miraculously, where there were no fish, there are now so many fish. As we're going to read on, actually, someone sat there and counted how many fish there were. And there was 153, apparently. But there's just, these nets were full of fish, so much. And as soon as they, they see 
that these nets are full of fish. It hits lightning bolt. Firstly, it hits John. I love this, how John points these things out. If you read the previous um, couple of chapters where Jesus is alive, John, um, I'm sure he was an amazing godly man, but I love the way he likes to point things out where he does things first. You know, here he points out that he realized it was Jesus first. A couple of chapters before, he likes to point out that he was faster than Peter when they run to the tomb. Um, it's just little details. I mean, don't really mean anything to us, but it helps to show us that you know, John was a great guy. I mean, he saw things first. He was quicker. But anyway, he, he said, this is the Lord. It's Jesus. And as soon as that happens, Peter kind of, who, who's, who's obviously, um, because they, 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 they've been pulling in this load and kind of breaking out of sweat, he's kind of taking off his, his jacket. Uh, he's like, I want to be with Jesus. So he straps his jacket. I don't know why I didn't leave it in the boat, but he just, he, he gets his jacket, he wraps it around himself. He jumps in the water and starts swimming to shore. And the others come behind him. You see, well, the reason what this what this does and why this kind of this this hits John, not necessarily it's the miracle that hits John that this is Jesus. What this does is this reminds Jesus, this reminds John, reminds Peter, reminds James and Andrew. It reminds them of the first day they met Jesus. So we read back in Luke. Um, we read in, in Luke chapter five. We see that this this almost identical story. It said when he had finished speaking, Jesus that is. He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. You see, Jesus risen, so what? What does it mean? What does it mean to follow? What does it mean that Jesus is risen in our lives? What does it mean? Well, firstly, we need to know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, what Jesus amazingly does, these depressed friends of his, who, who are still kind of mourning over the fact that things have changed, things are different. Yes, Jesus is alive, but they're not how they used to be. I want things back how they used to be. But the, the truth is that our situations change. We can have lots today, actually in an instant, have nothing. We can have nothing and have lots we, we, we can have, we can be, we can be homeless. We can have a job. We can, our situations can change actually dramatically can change quickly. Can change slowly, but Jesus never, ever changes. He is always King. He is always in control. He is always loving and he is always acting for his glory and our good as we sang just then. And just like the first time they met, these disciples are reminded Jesus, he's just the same Jesus. He's just the same God as when we first met him on the shore of Galilee, however many years ago. 
and he's still just as good. So let's continue in the story. It says, when they landed, they saw a fire burning, coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was so full, it was, it was full of large, it was so, it was full of a large, of large fish, 150. But even when so, but even with so many, the net was, was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. You see, to know Jesus, to know that Jesus is risen, is to know that we are welcomed, that we are always welcomed, and that he will always, always, always forgive us. You see, what I mean by that is, is that even though there's this excitement from the disciples, there's this excitement that Jesus is there, he's, he's there, we can kind of have breakfast with Jesus. There's also kind of this sense of fear in the air. There's a sense of, 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 of will Jesus accept us? You see, because the last real proper time these guys have spent with Jesus was the night before he was crucified. And on that night, they had all run from him. They'd all let, when he was in his most, when he was in his time of most need, they let him down. They left him. They ran from him. They left him alone. And Peter, above all, who, who at the beginning of the night declared, Jesus, I will always follow you. I will go to the ends of the earth for you. I will die for you. He ends up following Jesus at a distance. And as, and as a little girl comes up to him and says, and says, haven't I seen you with Jesus? He says, no, 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 not me. I'm not one of them. And she comes back and goes, no, no, no. You sound just like them. You've got to at least be from the same area. No, 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 I'm not. I'm nothing to do with them. And then they come back again and say, I'm positive that you are one of the guys who are with Jesus. And he, he curses and he says, no, it's not me. You, I don't even know the man. And as he says that, the Bible pictures gives you this picture of him declaring this. And as he, as he opens his eyes, he looks across the courtroom and Jesus is staring at him. And kind of he's broken. He's completely broken. So, so through his head, so there's a desire to be with Jesus, which is good. But there's also this, this, this thing, feeling through his head like, I've messed up big time. I've denied Jesus. I can't imagine that things could ever be back the way they were. It, will Jesus accept me? Can he forgive me? I don't know. And, 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 and I'm sure kind of, you know, as, 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 he, as he's reflecting back on this as an old man, he would have been resonating with the story in Luke chapter 15 of the, the prodigal son. Of this, 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 this man, who, who, this boy who comes of age and decides, right, I want what's mine. I want my inheritance. I want the money from my father's estate. I don't want anything to do with my father. I want to go and make, make my own way. I want to be my own man. And so he goes to his father and says, I want my share of inheritance. Basically, I wish you were dead. When you, because when you die, this is what I want. Give it, why don't you just give it to me now? So I want nothing to do with you. And he, he leaves and he, he squanders all of that. He squanders all the wealth, all the money that's given to him. 
and then um, a famine hits and he ends up taking the only job he can working on a pig farm which, which depicts some of the lowest of lowest jobs and eventually as he's so hungry and so so down and he's looking at these the the, the, the pig muck and he, the the swirl the the pods that he's the, he's meant to be feeding the pigs he's looking at that thinking that looks tasty he thinks come on come back to the least in my father's house i i'd have i'd have some a warm bed and and something to eat and so, so he says to himself i don't deserve to be a son my father will never accept me back as a son but i could be a servant i could be the servant servant in my house and i'd be better off than i was now so, so he, he goes he makes his way back he comes up with this this story that he's going to tell his father he comes up i'm going to say sorry i'm going to apologize and i'm going to say you know, i will work for your servants i will be the least in your house unknowingly that his whole time he's been away the father is looking is hearing is watching for him to come back he's waiting for him to come back and as as the son is is down he's looking down maybe kicking stones as he's walking as he comes over the horizon the father spots him and he doesn't watch him come through the town he doesn't watch him come down the road so he can chastise him no no he, he runs he picks up his garment which was completely undignified in those times he picks up his garment and runs towards the sun wraps his arms around him and as the sun starts to say sorry i'm so sorry he doesn't even let him get to the bit where he says i'll, I'll, I'll be your servant you know he, he, he comes he brings he dresses him in the best clothes gives him the best shoes gives him gives him jewelry he says you are my son i'm going to celebrate we're going to party because you have returned because you were once lost and now you are found you see there is no place that we can go there is no distance that we can travel that god won't forgive us you know, we can't, we can't mess up so much that God goes, right, I've had enough with you. That, that God, God will decide, right, I've done with you. And so often we, we can think, you know, especially on a weekend, we can, we can pray on a Sunday morning and feel good and like declare, you know, I give you everything, God, you, you, I give you my whole life. And then kind of Wednesday rolls around you, it's like, that was a really rubbish day. I really messed up. And let's be honest, Tuesday wasn't great. Neither was Monday. And it's like, the, the truth is, Jesus isn't there going, I really wish I chose someone else. I really wish I used someone else. No, he knows that we mess up. He knows that we're going to mess up. And he will always, always, always forgive us. He will always welcome us in. That's what he does. That's what this meal is about. He's welcoming them in and he's going to show them that he forgives them he loves them that his grace is enough for them so let's continue in the story it says when they finished eating jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these yes lord he said i know that i, I you know that i love you jesus said feed my lambs again jesus said simon son of john do you love me he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Pete was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you 
where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death with, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me, Peter. Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had them back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. You see, Peter here, what, 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 is, what this, this little bit is about is Peter is finding grace. He's finding forgiveness. So like I said, Jesus, Jesus is showing him. Jesus is restoring him. He said, he's acknowledging that he's messed up. There's kind of a mirroring here of the three times that Jesus, Jesus, uh, um, not, no, Peter, not Jesus, Peter denies Jesus to three times that Jesus um, commissions him. And, and like I said, Pete, Jesus knew that Peter was going to mess up. He still sent him. He still saved him. He knows when you're going to mess up. He knows that you will mess up. But the truth is, his blood on the cross covers your sin, it covers the sin that you've done, and it covers the sin that you're going to do. It covers what you've, what you've done to mess up, and it covers how your future messing up. Okay, so, but the truth is, and what he does here, what Jesus does here, he doesn't just say, right, you're welcome, you're forgiven. What he does is he commissions him, he sends him, he gives him a purpose. You see, to know Jesus is risen is to be commissioned. See, to know, know the resurrected Jesus is to be commissioned. See, Jesus doesn't just save Peter, he sends Peter. See, we are sent. You and I, we are sent into the towns and villages, the workplaces, the families, where we find ourselves. You see, and, and, and part of what we've been doing in this series is we, we've been talking about this new season, this, the winds changing, the, 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 this, this new breath that God has breathed on us as a church and as a town part of that that is is that we are sent this, this is a reminding reminder that you are sent again to where you work you are sent again to open up your homes to cook to 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 um to do whatever you can do to serve to make things to 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 build things to fix things in whatever way you can do to to invite people to invite people to your home to invite people invite people here and and, and I know it's warmer today I know it's not always great but but I encourage you invite people people and people are interested they want to meet others like us Invite them along, invite them to, 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 to sing, invite them to, to hear the word of God. You know, it's not the best place, but actually it doesn't matter whether we're in a, it, well, it, I, I'd rather it wasn't, but it doesn't matter whether we're in a, in a scabby little place, you know, that, that's filthy and, and cold, or whether we're in a million pound complex. I know which one I prefer to be in, but it doesn't matter because it's not buildings it's not neatness it's not tidiness it's it's not none of those things that that save people that change lives it's god's presence that changes lives and god's presence is in us and what you say when two or three of us are gathered there he is in our midst so so i encourage you again 
God is commissioning you here, you know, for, for Peter, he's commissioning him, he's taking him, and he's saying, you know, go feed my sheep, he's basically, go and tell people about me, go and tell, he says, he says, he's going to tell people everything I've done, tell them about me, and he's telling him, he's commissioning him, you're not just forgiven, Peter, you're not just welcomed, but I am telling you, I'm commissioning you to go and tell others that they are welcome, that they are forgiven, that they can be part, part of God's family. And he's doing the same for us. Whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, whether it's the same thing you were doing yesterday or a different thing, you know, maybe you're going to something new, maybe or whatever. God is commissioning you to go there, to do that, to be that in a way that tells others about Jesus. You see... God has, it's God's purpose on our life. And when we do that, kind of something inside of almost our very selves kind of sink because it's what we were designed to do. It's what he's created us to do. And so because he's created us to do it, because it's what we were made to do, it's what he's called us to do. Therefore, the equal sign is it's easy to do, isn't it? No, 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 it's not. <laughs> it's not, it's not. You see, we, 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 we see in... um. In, uh, in, in, in a couple of chapters before this, we see this um, Jesus talking to Peter. Peter declares, Jesus, this is what you want from me. I will do it. I'll do it to the ends of the earth. I love you, Jesus. I'm going to go to prison. I'm going to die for you. I'll do whatever you want, whenever you want it, all the time, Jesus. My life is yours. And Jesus goes, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, see, he notes, he recognizes Jesus knew he was going to fall away. He knew he was going to fail. But when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, that you will deny me three times. You will, yeah, you will deny three times that you know me. You see, and it's the same for us. We have an enemy, and it, Jesus used the word sift like wheat. Basically, that means shake apart. It's taking, it's taking the, the, the plant and, and shaking it, so basically dividing it, so you get the, you do, to get the good stuff you want to eat, use the food and stuff you don't want. But the, the, we have an enemy who wants to shake us and shake us and shake us, make us fall apart, make us want to succeed. So the enemy knows, and I hope you do as well, that, from, that you cannot be as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you cannot be unsaved. God chose you. God loved you. He picked you. And so it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. You can't lose that. That's what God has done for you, what Jesus did for you on the cross. And Satan knows that. He knows he can't touch your salvation. But what he will do is anything and everything that he can to try and mess you up. He will do what he can to, to try and throw condemnation at you, to try and throw guilt at you, to try and say that, that, that he will that, 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 that try, try and make you doubt, to try and give you, give you concerns, to try and derail you in any way that he possibly can. But the truth is he can't do anything. He can't, he can't take away what is most important. He cannot take away your salvation. As that, as that wonderful uh, song, you know, Christ alone, in the, in the final verse, it declares, and it's wonderful just to, just to declare over yourselves. It says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, 
Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Amazing. I just want to break out and sing that. It's just so, so good. And it's true. It's all scripture. You see, but the enemy will still try and do what he can to try and derail us, to try and to try and shake us. And Peter's been shaken. He's been shaken. He, he was shaken. The enemy made him scared. What are these guys going to think of me? What am I going to lose? I want to be with Jesus, but I don't want to have that. What Jesus got. Actually, the amazing thing is that, that for once, Jesus, once Peter's identity is completely secure in Christ, actually this kind of fear of death and being associated with Jesus actually is exactly, you know, he's crucified at the end. And he doesn't care because he'll do whatever he can to be and do what Jesus wants him to. But the, the truth is, the enemy can get in. He can make us scared. He can make us scared of losing. Losing jobs, losing positions, losing friends, um, being, <clears throat> losing our health, fear of harm. He, he will get us to question our identity. He will throw sexuality, gender, calling. You know, he won't heat. And if that doesn't work, he'll busy us. He'll give us too many things and make us successful, help us be successful so, so that we, we forget about our, our great saviour. He will try and do whatever. And, and again, here with Peter, you know, Peter's been scared. He's tried to, he, he's done that. He, he's denied Jesus. And then right here, even in this passage, Jesus has forgiven him. He's commissioned him. He's put his, the enemy's there and he's bringing in that old thing of comparison. You know, Peter's there, Peter's there being commissioned by Jesus. And straight away, he's like, yeah, but what about him? What about him? What are you going to do with him? And Jesus is like, basically, he, he's, he's saying, you know, he, he's, saying, he's not saying that John's going to stay alive forever. That wasn't the case. But what he's saying is, is it doesn't matter what I do with John. It doesn't matter what I ask for John to do. What I'm telling you is, follow me. And it's the same for us. Some of us, well, some of us may be wealthy, some of us may not be. Some of us may seem to have lots of good fortune, good luck. Some of us may not do. And it's not, it's not for us to go, yeah, but Jesus, why, why are you not blessing me like them? Why are you not giving me what they've got? Why, why not? And Jesus is just like, just focus on what I've asked you to do, where I've put you, where I've put you. Get, use your talents, use your gifts to bring glory to me. Use your money, use your time to bring glory to me. <clears throat> Don't worry about them. You follow me and what the amazing thing is in the in this in this section is and then just finish up on this is that to know that jesus is risen is to know that he is fighting for us see in that in that passage in luke 22 yes temptation is coming yes the enemy is coming to shake peter apart but as he is being shaken apart as Jesus actually at that moment is being punched in the face and being spat on and being, being before a, a, a mock jury. What is Jesus doing? He's fighting for Peter. He's praying for Peter. And do you know what? When you, and this is so good to remember, whilst you are being shaken, because we all get shaken, whilst you are being shaken, Jesus is there for you. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is fighting you. The Bible calls him our great high priest. 
He is our great high priest who comes to the Father and prays and intercedes on our behalf. You see, Christ, our Jesus, he is cheering you on. When you succeed, when you are doing great, when you think, yes, I've really been a great man or woman for God today. He's cheering you on. But you know what? He's also cheering you on when you think, I've really stuffed up. He's cheering you on. He is loving you. He is cheering you on. And the task that we have been given is to follow him. But you know what? That might sound great, but it's impossible. It's really impossible. It's impossible for us to, to follow him, to, for us to, in our own strength, to follow him, for, in our, let alone in our own strength, to talk to people about Jesus, in our own strength, to share the gospel about Jesus. It is impossible in our own strength. But the amazing thing is that he is there alongside us. He says in the last kind of few lines of Matthew's gospel, he says, I am with you until the end. I am with you. And with him, with us, we can do immeasurably more than what we could possibly imagine. You get that? I can imagine a lot. I don't know about you. I can imagine Jesus doing a lot. I can imagine a lot happening in this town. He can imagine more. He can do more. You see, with, with, with Jesus, these things that we think, you know what, it could be, it might be, it's possible this might happen. These things, these things move from being might happen to they can happen. He can do that. He is able to do that. So church, I want us to go out from here knowing that he is with us, that he has forgiven you, that he welcomes you, even when you've messed up especially when you've messed up. And he has sent each and every single one of you, not the person next to you, he has sent them as well, but you as well. He has sent you into this town, into your town, into your village, into your place of work. And even when we fail, he is there ready to accept us and send us out again. That's what he does, isn't it? He takes us, says, you're forgiven, I love you, right, go again. I'm gonna pray, let's go home. So Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that when we run from you, when we mess up, God, you are always there watching, waiting, arms wide open, ready to accept us. Forgive us. Send us out. God, I thank you that when, when life gets shaky, God, when, when we feel like being, we're being tested, when we feel like things are just all going wrong, you're there in the storm. You're praying for us. You're with us. You're, you're loving us. God, and when we fall, again, you're there, ready to pick us up, turn us around, dust us off, and send us out again. So, Lord God, I pray. I pray that you'd use every single one of us. As we head into this Christmas season, Lord God, you would use every single one of us. God, give us boldness to speak your name. Give us boldness to live for you god whether whether we're at home with with kids whether we're at home alone or god whether we're whether we're on the phone whether we're we're in a physical place of work where, whether we're meeting with friends whether we're whatever we're doing god jesus use us you have sent us into those situations for your kingdom glory and for our goodness lord god use me use us amen thank you for listening for more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.com.